The uh, title of the message this morning is Good News in Bad Times. And as I was preparing this message, I thought, what, what would be a good term for, um, for some uh, impending doom? What's a, a word that would be helpful for folks? And I went to the internet and I typed in word for bad times or impending doom. And uh, this word that I never saw before came up. In fact, it's an acronym. And uh, these letters came up, S-H-T-F. And website after website, this was a popular thing. Started in 1938. S-H-T-F, and I, and I kept looking, and I kept looking, and I kept looking. Finally, in the fine print on a website, they told me what those letters stand for. And uh, I'm only going to tell you the last three of what they mean. They mean, hits the fan. So when something hits the fan, that is a time of impending doom. And uh, the, the definition, because okay, then I typed the definition of S-H-T-F. I got to be careful here. It says a situation associated with chaos, panic, and unpredictability. And, and COVID kind of fit under that for a number of people. And uh, it's it, the website, all of them said you need to have an S-H-T-F plan in case of one of these events. And uh, so the websites had a list of necessary items to face this impending doom. And uh, here they are. Guns, knives, weapons, food, and then eventually on the list there's toilet paper. Everybody, for impending doom disaster, you need extra toilet paper, as we all have found out recently. So we're going to look at how do you find good news in bad times. Let me pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, life here can be really difficult, and we can face difficult situations. Open our eyes and our hearts this morning for all that you have for us. That we would leave here more in love with Jesus Christ and uh, more like Jesus. And we pray with grateful hearts for the presence of the Holy Spirit that has the ability to take words that are written on a page and write them on our hearts. That we might become more like you. If there would be anything that would hinder us hearing you, I pray you would remove it. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Amen. Now, if you are just joining us, whether it's on the, uh, the internet or here, we have been in the last, gosh, over a year, we have been preaching through the 66 books of the Bible. We went through the 39 Old Testament books, and we now are in the New Testament. And I love the fact that Mike last week called them the back nine. And, and the thing about the back nine, if you take, other than the book of Revelation, not a lot of folks spend time in the back nine. We're on uh, book 21, and there are uh, six more to go before we'll end the series. And uh, so we'll be looking at books that maybe you are not all that familiar with. And 
we're looking this morning at 1 Peter. Now, what Peter, and this is the Apostle Peter, is writing to churches in a certain geographical area. They were mostly Gentile Christians, although there were Jewish Christians there. These were non-Jewish folks that gave their lives to Christ, uh, many probably through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Paul has now been martyred, and so I think this is a letter of encouragement that even though the founder of all those churches, who led many of them to Christ, has been killed, that the church is still alive and doing well, but there's a difficulty on the horizon. And so in the midst of this SHTF event that is coming, the Apostle Peter writes this letter. And basically, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, things are going to get worse, he writes, before they get better. So you're, you're in for some difficult times. Now, the amazing thing is, the book has this great positive spin to it. It's not a doom and gloom letter. It's a letter of encouragement. In fact, Peter starts out in 1 Peter 1, 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He starts out by saying, even though there's this event coming, he starts out by saying, blessed be to God. Because what Peter has found in his relationship with his heavenly father far outweighs anything that's on the horizon. And so he is, blessed be uh, God. And uh, so here's, here's the deal. If at the end of this message, you can't celebrate God, in the midst of difficulties, either I've done a lousy job communicating what Peter wanted you to know, or you didn't quite get what Peter was writing, because he's writing it for all of us. You have failed to hear what God is saying. Peter wanted them first to know who they were and whose they were. We are people from this text, blessed be the God, Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, has caused us to be born again. We are born the first time into this world. And this world is difficult. And it's broken. And there are struggles in this world. But because of Jesus Christ, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, we are, by faith, born again into a living hope. Now, hope, again, in the Bible, is not a wish. Like, I, I wish it will stay nice these next couple of days. Biblical hope is a certainty. And it's a living hope because Jesus Christ rose from the dead and is alive. And so... By your first birth, you're born into the brokenness of this world. But there is a second birth by faith 
because of the grace and the mercy of God and the love of God and the forgiveness of God, we are born into a second birth, one that uh, births us into the kingdom of God. And, and, and then Peter goes on to say, let me explain what this kingdom is like. In 1 Peter 1, 4 to 7, this kingdom of, of God is an inheritance that is imperishable. It won't spoil. It's undefiled. It's unfading. It's kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. And in this, you, your socks should roll up and down. You should rejoice because you have this hope that will not fail, this certainty. However, because of the world that we still live in, there will be some difficulties along their, the way and they are around the corner. So he moves then from where our hope is, what is guaranteed for our future, to tell us who we are and whose we are. We, um, he goes on to say in 1 Peter 2.9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. When he says you are chosen, it means you are handpicked by God. If you are here and you name Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior, he grabbed you before you ever had that realization and through the power of the Holy Spirit drew you to himself and you said, yes, yes, I am in. And because you're in, you are a priest. Now, I don't know what your picture of a priest is. I grew up in the Roman Catholic tradition, so there was a color and white and, and but a priest basically is someone who goes to God for people and goes to people for God. Stands kind of in the gap between God and people and communicates back and forth. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, are not only a priest, you are a royal priest. You are a child of the king and you represent the kingdom of God. Now, do you know that? How many of you um, ever played checkers before? Checkers? Checkers? How many of you ever won? Ne never mind. How many of you played checkers and, uh, or spell checkers or have seen a checkerboard? This is a, uh, an enlarged checker. And uh, the game is about, when the game starts... You have to make some moves to get from one end of the checkerboard to the other end. What happens at the other end of the checkerboard? You get crowned. You get kinged. And so what they do is they take this ordinary 
checker piece and they flip it over and on the other side is a crown. Now, that crown has been there the whole time. But you don't realize that it's been there. And so, in the kingdom of God, God grabs us when we think we're ordinary, but in reality, we've been crowned since before the foundation of the earth. And once you are crowned on a checkerboard, you can go in all kinds of directions. And you can do more amazing things than you ever could as an ordinary checkered person. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you are reminded that you are royalty. And that there are moves that you can make that will absolutely impact the rest of the world. You move in different ways. Peter wants this church to know, wants you and I to know, because his letter could be postmarked for us today. Because it's relevant to us today. He wants them to know that they are indeed royalty. Now, in his letter, besides calling them royal priests, he also has a different group of words for followers of Christ. He calls them um, sojourners, pilgrims. He calls them um, foreigners, exiles. Depending on what Bible you read, that word is translated in lots of different ways. Maybe the best word for it would be alien. He's saying, you are an alien. Now, what is an alien? An alien is someone who lives and is from a different world and comes to this world. And Peter is trying to say, in light of them being royalty and children of God, in this world, they don't belong. He would say to us in here as followers of Christ, in this world, we don't belong. We are aliens because we come from a kingdom, not of this world. We are here. We are aliens and exiles. Now, the Apostle Paul is a little kinder. He calls us ambassadors. And we know an ambassador is someone who goes from one country into another and represents the home country, but is not a part of the country that they find themselves. Peter is saying to these Jesus followers, Peter is saying to us, we are not of this world. We've been born into a different world. Now, my wife, Lori, for years, um, oversaw one of the au pair programs, au pair programs in Columbus. And au pairs are women 
girls from other countries who want kind of an English immersion, many of them, come here for a year or two years to live with a host family and nanny the kids. That's basically what they do. And one of the things that Lori had to tell every one of them is, as you come to this country, be all in here. Don't have one foot back home and one foot in this world because you will never get the experience trying to keep both. Be in one place. It's great advice. And the same advice, with a little twist, is true for you and me and for the church. One of the reasons the church, not this one, but every other church, no, this one included, can be ineffective in our culture is that we are children of the king, but we choose to have both feet in this world. We buy into the lies of this world. You want to be successful? You live in this neighborhood. You drive this car. You get this job. You make this much money. You have these many kids. You do this, you do this, you do this, and you are successful. And lots of times, we buy into this system and we reflect this system. And nobody pays us any mind because we look like everyone else. What difference does it make? then some of us know what well, that's not good. So on Sundays, I'm going to be in both worlds. I'm going to worship on Sundays, but the rest, my heart is really into this system. On Sundays, I'm here, but on the rest of the oh, maybe Wednesday night at that prayer time you talked about, I'll move over here. And the problem with straddling both worlds is you're no good to either. You're ineffective in both. And what Peter's saying, you've got to be both feet in the kingdom of God because you're an exile. You're an ambassador. You're a foreigner. You're representing your other kingdom. Live that another kingdom. So, do you live your life like this? Or do you live your life like this? Do I live my life like this? Blending in, looking like every other piece on the board. Or do I live differently? Peter is saying, live who you are. So, how do we do that when things get tough? How are we going to live who we are when things become difficult? Let's go buy guns and toilet paper and food. And this is the honest truth. Back in the 60s, late 60s, 
my family listened to a, a very conservative group, and we bought a truckload of freeze-dried food and a gun. And the food sat in our basement, and the gun sat on top of it because family members thought, if the neighbors come, we'll have to shoot them. But that's how you live in an SHTF environment. Is that what we do? Is that what Peter's saying? Go buy guns and knives and toilet paper. No, Peter says something really crazy. He says this, 1 Peter 2, 13. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor as supreme or to governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Now let me translate what he's writing here. Doom is coming, and it's coming because the emperor, Nero, wanted to rearrange downtown Rome. So he set it on fire, and lots of people died, and damage was terrible. They put it out, he lit it again. And the people are thinking, Nero is doing this. And Nero said, I'm not doing it. It's the Christians who are doing it. Back in the year 65. And so Christians became enemy number one in the Roman Empire. Because they destroyed Rome. And here's what Peter says. Be subject to the Lord's sake, to every human institution whether it be to the emperor as supreme or the governor. What? Nero is out of his mind. And yet we're supposed to submit to him? What are we supposed to do? Why? Peter goes, for this is the will of God, that by doing good you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. <laughs> live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone. Love the brotherhood. Fear God. Honor the emperor. How dare Peter write that? The emperor is the problem. So do we rip that page out of our Bible? Do we choose to kind of fold it over and ignore it? Here's a rule of thumb. Here's what Peter's trying to say. Being a good Christian is being a good citizen. Being a good Christian is being a good citizen until being a good citizen, being a good citizen means being a bad Christian. We know from the Apostle Peter that the authorities early on after Pentecost ordered him, beat him, jailed him, and ordered him not to talk about Christ anymore. And the next day he was out of jail, he was talking about Christ. And they brought him into the courtroom and said, what are you doing? We told you, you can't do this. And we're the authority. And he said, I listen to a higher authority because... If I was being a good citizen, it would make me a bad Christian. And so, Peter's saying, even 
though the government is off balanced, obey until such time where it makes you a bad follower of Christ. But it gets crazier. Listen to this. Verse 18. Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but to the unjust. Peter is saying, if you've got an unjust slave master, you submit to him. Really, Peter? For this is a gracious thing. When mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. It gets worse. Wives, be submissive to your husbands even though they don't believe and are cruel. Husbands, respect your wives even though they're not believers and they are cruel. And you're thinking, why? That sounds stupid. Until verse 21. For to this you have been called. This idea of called is you've been set apart. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so you might follow in his steps. You see, we follow a king that washed feet. We follow a king that humbled himself and allowed his creation to nail him to the cross. When you live like that, People notice. It's how you noticed God's love. He took your place. He humbled himself for you. He suffered for you unjustly. Might we walk in those footsteps for a little while? And Peter goes on. 1 Peter 3.14 but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, even if you should suffer when you do everything right, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, when you are beaten, when you are, uh, uh, when things go bad, those who revile your good, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. So here's what he's saying. Nobody lives like I'm calling you to live, except for Jesus. If you live as Jesus did recognizing that you're in the path of suffering even though you are doing the right thing, you will be blessed. And the world will say, why are you doing that? You will live a questionable life. And when we live a questionable life, we draw people to Jesus. 
and salvation and change lives. Now, I, I have this story about <laughs> where you grew up. Back in the hills of Tennessee, there was a guy who had a wife who's going to have a baby, and she was due. They went and sent for the doctor, but there was no electricity. And so the doctor came and gave the to-be dad a lantern and said, you're going to have to hold the light right here so I can take care of business here. And pretty soon, out comes this baby. And the father wants to hold the baby, so set the lantern aside. And the doctor goes, wait, 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 hold that light up here again a little closer. I think there's, there's another one. And so burst not only a baby boy, but a baby girl. And, and the father's a bit, he's putting, no, wait, wait, I think there's another one. Hold that light up here. And out comes a third child. And, and the father's about ready to pass out. And, and, and the doctor goes, wait, one more time. Hold that light here. And a fourth child is born. At that point, this mountain person in the hills said, you reckon it might be the light that's attracting them? <laughs> that's how we get in the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. If I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. And then before he left his disciples, he said, you are the light of the world. You see, people around you will be birthed into the kingdom of God because they see your light in the midst of the dark times that you face. And they will want what you have. And you get to tell them why it is you live the way you do that's so countercultural to our world. You see, our light shines when it's darkest. And they will be attracted to the light. And what Peter is saying, and when the pandemic first happened and we <coughs> shut down the, the church and folks couldn't gather, folks couldn't come out, and we didn't know what was around the corner. I was at one of our favorite stores, and uh, I think this is what Peter is trying to tell us. What is coming is better than what is gone. And this is sat across my desk for those 12 months where we didn't know what was going to happen. Those are the words that Peter's trying to say to the church. No matter what difficulty you and I face right now or will face, what is coming is better. You think about that. Amen. Pray with me. Gracious Heavenly Father. <coughs>
it seems like it would be easier to buy a gun, buy some food that would last us a while, a bunch of toilet paper, and just kind of be holed up in a, our place until the difficulty passes. But that's not what you call us to do. You call us. You set us apart to step into the difficult times. And you promise a blessing because you go before us. And the suffering only lasts for a little while because the best is just around the corner. I pray for folks here who are in the midst of a dark time and don't know if they can take another step or last another day. I pray that they would know that the best is yet to come and that they're actually walking in their footsteps of their Lord and Savior and that there's a witness going out that others just might be drawn to the kingdom because of their faithfulness and trust in you. And I pray for anyone here who doesn't know you, who's not given their life to you, that is living on the backside of being like everybody else and they don't know that there's a crown and they open their hearts and lives to you and they bend their knee to you as Lord and Savior. We pray these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen. As you leave this place, we are uh, encouraging you to use those side doors. We don't pass the plate. We want to thank you for your generosity. There's a place outside to kind of put any tithes and offerings. As you leave this place, might you find yourself flipping over that disc from looking like everyone else resembling the king that has called you and us together to be the people of God empowered by the Holy Spirit to make a difference to be a light in the darkness by living not according to this world but the one to come the one that's promised the one that is alive go in peace to love and serve him amen